You know what? You know what is the toughest day? It's always the first day back from vacation. I don't know why that is. I mean, here we are. It's what? Uh, seven minutes past two in the afternoon on a Monday, Monday afternoon. To my body, it already feels like Wednesday. Actually, maybe even early Thursday. I don't know what it is. Like the first day back from vacation is always so tough. Uh, thanks to everybody who did such a great job filling in this uh, past week, including our next guest, Rabina Ahmed Hawk, who was in this uh, chair for a couple of days uh, last week. Uh, Rabina, thanks for that and good afternoon. Good afternoon, and you're welcome. Big shoes to fill, Jeff, but it was a lot of fun. Oh, good. I'm glad you had a good time. And uh, by the way, you did such a great job, uh, and I am feeling a little sluggish. Uh, just first day back, I was just kind of hoping you could interview yourself here. Okay. <laughs> Rubina, what do you think of X, Y, and Z? I think that's great. <laughs> Actually, I want to know what you think about, first off, let's talk potato chips and the potato chip wars, because they have come to an end. Apparently, there's some agreement between Loblaw and Frito-Lay, and your favorite chips will be back on grocery store shelves in the uh, coming days here. Uh, do we know what really went on here? I, I was trying to figure out when I was reading this this morning, Rabina, even what was settled. Yeah, so the dispute started, just as a refresher, uh, when Frito-Lay said they're raising prices uh, because of all the things that have been going on during the pandemic, supply chain issues, inflation, their cost of production has gone up. So it would cost the Loblaws more to buy those products that Frito-Lay delivers. And, and uh, anyone who's been to the Loblaws stores realizes, wow, Frito-Lay does have a lot of products on the shelves because all of a sudden you couldn't find Lay's chips and certain snacks, certain cereals that you just expect to be on the shelves. So they've come to an agreement. Uh, according to Loblaws, they were able to come to some sort of pricing agreement. And uh, that means that they're saying that as soon as this weekend, we're going to start seeing them back on the shelves. But, you know, it really does speak to the fact to the, the fact that, you know, when we go into a store and we see higher prices, which we're seeing a lot of in the last little while, that it's not all the company's fault. I love, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm the first to blame big corporations and big conglomerates, but there's a lot of different players that, that lead up to those prices. So it's not always, you know, shaking your hand at the, the store that you're buying it at. It often is something that, you know, in, in that whole supply chain process, prices have gone up all, all all along the way, and it's just become more expensive for them to offer it to you. Okay, in this new agreement, have we seen anything about the air in the bags, the air in the bag of chips? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that That is the one thing I want settled, if you will. Just uh, enough of that that I buy a bit. What I think, Rabina, is a big bag of chips, and it's a big bag of air with a few chips in the bottom. So the way you can solve that, Jeff, is by reading how many grams of chips are in the bag, uh, because they are going to put those uh, air in the bag. I think part of it is to keep the chips from not crunching. I'm not a yeah. I'm not. Chip I'm expert. not buying that. I've heard this whole <laughs> argument. It's so the chips uh, don't get crunched and that you've got whole chips. It's uh, I'm not buying that. Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever the reason is, I highly recommend, you know, this is a good lesson that we should always read how much quantity we're getting for the price that we're paying. Because often side by side, uh, one product may seem like it's giving you a lot more, but it's really just more air in the bag. And so you can make really good consumer decisions by knowing how far each dollar is going by just reading, you know, unit prices. How much is each hundred grams costing me? How much is each hundred uh, milliliter costing me? And that helps you make better decisions that are better for your pocketbook right because you really are buying with your eyes because i would argue there's no way people would pay what they're being asked for a bag of chips a big bag of chips if the bag actually represented the amount of chips that were in there because it just would not add up in your brain 
Yeah. And often even the marketing they put on those bags. So they'll put family size. And I hate to say it, but sometimes I think I've eaten a family size of <laughs> chips in one sitting, right? And I am just one person. So, you know, the, even the way that they sometimes market it, they make it sound like it's a lot of food or a lot of snacks. Uh, and really, you know, it's it's really not what you would expect when you actually get into the get into the package. Absolutely. Okay. Whether it's a potato chips or anything else in the grocery store, we've all been trying to make, you know, our grocery dollar stretch a little uh, further. And that is, in particular, that's uh, really important, to, it sounds like, to the youngest households in Canada. Because we got new data out from StatsCan, Rabina, that says the youngest households in the country saw their wealth decrease for the first time since the pandemic began. Yeah, and this really has to do with the fact that wealth has really increased during the pandemic because of housing prices, right? So all of a sudden you sit down and you do your net worth and it's so much more because homes on your street have gone up 26% on average year over um, in 2021. You know, year over year, some places have increased 40, 45% in value. So those people who weren't in, who don't own homes, they, they have not seen their wealth increase at the same at the same rate as those who own homes. And it's sort of for young people, I feel like it's a really bitter pill because many of them in trying to get on the, the, the real estate ladder, many of them in trying to purchase a home. And so A, they're being told it's too expensive for you to get on the ladder. And then the people who have been able to, they're off to, you know, they're seeing their wealth rise consistently. And they're still feeling like not only can I not afford this, I'm not able to take advantage of all this wealth creation that's happening in the country because of real estate prices. All right, a couple of things here, and let's talk about uh, home purchases uh, first. So is this an indicator? Maybe it's just a little too early. Uh, you were on last week covering the uh, budget, the uh, federal budget, and there were a lot of things in there when it came to trying to cool the housing market and affordable housing. Uh, is this survey telling us that those things better work and work pretty quickly when it comes to younger Canadian households and their financial goals? I think it's fair to say that we have a housing crisis in this country. Uh, there are many people who, even with very good salaries, cannot afford to buy a pretty average home um, or a starter home, as we often like to call it. And that will have long-term effects because most young people get on the property ladder in their late 20s, early 30s, and they get maybe to a bigger home when they have children. Um, uh, and and then that becomes their quote-unquote forever home. And they may move out of that when they retire. Now, if you never start that process. And then on top of it, you've got, um, you know, people who have precarious work uh, situations, they don't have pensions, they're not able to save as much, you know, a lot of times that that asset, that home of yours becomes then your retirement savings. So you've then it will have a generation of people who haven't been able to save money because of their home, uh, because they haven't been able to purchase a home. And then on top of that, they don't have any workplace pension security. So what will happen to them when they get into their 50s and 60s, 30, 40 years from now, because it's not just about now, it's about decades from now. Exactly. For for many young people, it's it's just not possible right now to even start that process. Because that was my very next question. If uh, younger households are unable to get into the housing market, they're uh, putting it off or they may never uh, get there and their wealth is now declining, their personal wealth is declining. I mean, this is going to have real effects for the economy because obviously it's the younger demographic, those younger households that typically anyways, or historically, uh, they're in the, uh, you know, they're buying ages, uh, if you will. They're usually typically buying a lot of things and keeping the economy moving. 
Yeah, exactly. When you buy a home, you're more than likely going to buy furniture. You're going to buy big ticket items like a fridge and a stove. You're going to hire someone to make some, you know, changes to your home, renovate it, paint it, maybe put in a new bathroom. All of that helps the economy. And those are one-time purchases that people make when they buy a home. You don't put in a new bathroom every year. You usually do that once. And then maybe in 20 years, you might renovate something else in, in that same space. Uh, so that if all that doesn't happen, there's a lot of trickle, trickle down effect for lack of a better way of putting it, that happens where companies aren't able to take advantage of, um, they're not rather not take advantage, but they're they're not getting that kind of work. And so that they are not able to hire more people, they're not able to pay more income tax. So that's not going to happen in an immediate way. I mean, right now, it feels like everybody's renovating myself included. Um, but you know, down the road, when uh, the pandemic is over, and if young people still are feeling like they can't get into the housing market, and they're renting, a lot of them are going to choose to use their money differently. Maybe maybe on travel, maybe on other things, and it's not going to help the economy as much. Mm -hmm. So are we seeing, are we in danger? Here's the StatsCan survey, Rubina, telling us that the uh, wealth gap uh, between uh, older households and younger households, uh, that's going to continue to widen and have, as we've been discussing here, some uh, real implications? It could. I mean, one of the things that we're not factoring in is um, inheritance. So uh, young Canadians, uh, especially millennials, are, are already feeling the uh, positive impacts of of how much money they're inheriting. So there's supposed to be a $1 trillion um, transaction in the next decade or so uh, of uh, boomers leaving money to their children. Um, and that money, obviously, they can use to maybe then they can get on the, uh, the housing uh, into the housing market. Um, but from their own salary and their own income point of view, especially for new Canadians who may not have that benefit of having a financial legacy being left to them, they're, they're, they may forever be renting, they may forever be struggling to buy a home, or they may be looking at really unique ways to get into the housing market, buying with somebody else, buying an investment property where they rent out half of it. But all of that comes down to personal choice. Not Many people don't want to be landlords. You know, like sometimes I'll say to people, why don't you buy a duplex and then you rent out part of it and, and live in the other. They're like, I, I don't have that personality. I don't know how to, I don't mm -hmm. know how to do that. And that's fair. Uh, not everyone's meant to, to be that person. All right. Rabina, appreciate this and appreciate uh, last week. Thank you so much. And we will uh, talk again soon. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. Personal finance expert, Rabina Ahmed Hawk on this new StatsCan survey. If you're just uh, tuning in, uh, basically telling us that the wealth gap is starting to uh, widen here between older and younger Canadians Younger Canadians avoiding home buying, and they've seen their uh, wealth fall for the first time since the pandemic started. And we're back after a quick break. Stay with us. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.